So 2,500 out there today across your value-added resellers plus your direct consumer at yes. 15 bucks a pop, right? What, so you're doing 37,000 bucks a month right now in revenue? Yeah, so we're probably around 30 in revenue at the month. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Karen Cantwell. She's somebody that constantly innovates. And in 2012, she started I Stay Safe with a mission to design a personal safety watch for ch- children. I was going to say kids for, for children. <laughs> this led to the launch of TikTok Track in 2014, one of the first kids smart watches in the world. Karen, are you ready to take us to the top? Sounds great. All right. So is this pure SaaS or is it SaaS plus hardware plus consumer? What's the mix? So it's pretty much SaaS plus hardware. So we do both. Interesting. Okay, so tell me about the hardware. Do you have a? Can you show it to us? Do you have the hardware today? Yes, yeah, sure. I'll grab one. So we have uh, we have two devices at the moment. We've got a um, a three G, which is it's a small kids watch. Um, we also use it for elderly. We also use it for domestic and family violence, line workers. Um, so we've got quite a few verticals that we operate in. Um, it's basically small, lightweight. It has um, an SOS duress function on it. Um, so it's, it's a, hold it up close to the camera. Okay, it's like an so, iWatch. It's like an iWatch. It's like an Apple yeah. watch basically. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it, it can just look like a sports watch. It has a magnetic charging clip on the back. Um, so we do that. We also have a, um, we also have a phone application, which has a remote Bluetooth button that is just like a button on your key ring, like a key finder. Um, and so if you don't want to wear a watch, you just want to use your phone as a duress alarm, then the button remotely activates an SOS in the event of an emergency. Hmm. So um, we have like two kind of different solutions there for personal safety. Interesting. Okay. So that device you just showed me, what does that cost? So um, this one costs um, around $200 Australian. So um, for the hardware, and then you're looking at at around like 15 to $20 a month for the SaaS and the SIM and the, 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 uh, the use of the platform. Is it $15 a month per watch? Yes. Yeah. I see. And so when you say the cost is 200 is that what you charge people or is that what it costs you to make? No, that's what we charge people. What does it cost you to make? Do you make margin there? So, yeah. So we um, it costs us probably around... Um, the new one that's coming out is a little bit cheaper to make than the previous one we had because we've just changed manufacturers, but it, it costs us probably around um, between $60 to $80 Australian landed. Okay. Wow. Got it. So 200 retail, 80 cost. You can make 120 bucks per watch sold, something like that. Okay. Interesting. When did you sell your first watch? What year? Uh, 2014. 20. Okay. So that was your effective launch date or were you working on coding before that? So we, um, we started the business in 2012. It took probably about 18 months to um, find a manufacturer, design the solution. Because back then kids wearables just weren't a thing. Like there was no one doing it. Um, so I, it took me a while to find someone to manufacture. Um, and then we um, coded the software, designed the features, designed the hardware, put it all together and launched in 2014. Wow. Okay. So now you're scaling. How many watches are out there in the public now today? 
Well, so we got thousands out in the public. We, I mean, we've sold thousands over the years. Um, we currently have probably about two and a half to 3,000 subscribers um, live at the moment. Um, about 20% of our business is now business to consumer, whereas previously when we started it was all business to consumer, whereas now we're more B2B because um, we've really moved into more of a, a reseller market in the last um, probably two years. So mm-hmm. probably about 80% of our business is through resellers and the rest is B2C. Okay, a lot to unpack there. So let's let me let me do resellers first. Eighty percent is through resellers. So if a reseller sells one of your two hundred dollars watches and sells a fifteen dollars a month subscription, what do you pay them in an affiliate cut? Right. So with the resellers, we operate a slightly different model. Um, so with the resellers, we will sell the watch to them at about um, one hundred and fifty dollars wholesale. So we make less. We make probably about seventy dollars a watch on the on the watches whole, on the reseller price. Um, then they put their own markup on. Sometimes. We will sell at 200 retail because for consumers, we try and keep the price down low. They might sell at different markets, have different pricing, um, so I guess, structures because um, they pay slightly different prices. But that's that's obviously up to the retailer what they charge for that. What about the software? Uh, the software with the SaaS, um, for the resellers, they pay around $11 a month. Um, so we still make probably about $3, $4 um, per month on the SaaS, and then they put their markup on top of that. Got it. You sell them eleven dollars. They pay you eleven dollars a month for the SaaS. You're making eleven bucks per watch they sell monthly recurring. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So twenty five hundred out there today across your value added resellers plus your direct consumer at yes. fifteen bucks a pop. Right. What? So you're doing thirty seven thousand bucks a month right now in revenue. Yeah, so we're probably around thirty in revenue at the month um, because we've, we're with the phone app. It's slightly cheaper because there's no SIM card with the phone app, so that brings the average monthly revenue um, per month down slightly. Okay. Um, so because the phone app, you're only paying like six or seven dollars a month for a retail customer because there's no SIM. Okay. associated. And if you're at thirty thousand today, where were you a year ago? Do you remember? Um, a year ago. Um, I don't remember a year ago. I know probably 2019 because we did an acquisition about a year ago um, and that increased M- uh, MRR. But um, prior to that, we were probably at around um, 15, 16. We probably doubled um, since we did that acquisition. Okay. We first interviewed, I don't know if you remember this, back in 2018. Um, wow. And you said revenue back then was around $20,000 a month. So yeah. that's, you know, that's four years later, you've added 10 grand in MRR. You know, I would say, you know, that feels like really slow growth. Why aren't you growing faster? Um, there's been a couple of reasons for us. I mean, firstly, um, resources, we've always been really small. Um, we've, we've pretty much... Um, Are you had- bootstrapped? Yeah, pretty much. We we have had investment. Like we, we've definitely had um, we've we've definitely had some good investment, but um, but it costs a lot, obviously, to develop the hardware. Um, and unfortunately, in Australia, the networks have been shutting down. They'll shut down a network, like a two G network, just after we launched, and then we had to invest in redoing hardware. And now they're shutting down the three G network, so we're having to reinvest in hardware. So a lot of our our, our cash has gone into hardware development, um, which has really limited our ability to scale. Um, Australia is quite a small market too. Um, we haven't been able to, to to go overseas just yet, so that's something obviously we're looking at doing. Um, but we and and then obviously COVID hit in 2020, so we we invested in an acquisition, then we um, which we did at the end of 2019, and then COVID hit, so that slowed sales in our B two C market. Um, so really, last year we we um, we spent a lot of our time pivoting and moving more into the B two B market because our B two C um, customers really dropped off. So that, I think okay. there's been a number of factors that have impacted the growth. But once so how t- much total though, Karen, have you raised? About one uh, one point six. 
when was the last fundraise? Uh, 2018. Okay. So, so between 2012 and 2018, you raised 1.6 million total. Yeah. Got it. And, and investors own what, like 15, 20% of business or more? So the investors probably own at the moment, um, we've got investors that own probably about 60% of the the business. Would you do anything differently looking back? That's a lot for investors to own. Um, I think looking back, obviously, I I didn't come from a tech background. And when I started this business in 2012, I had never raised capital before. So um, in doing things differently, I certainly would um, structure things slightly differently. I would scale much quicker in the early days when the product was really new. But I think because I didn't have um, a lot of resources, it was just basically me. Um, I think I was reluctant to take some of those risks because I, I hadn't done it before. So I think what I've learned in the last five or six years would be I would probably take more risk early on and scale quicker early on um, to really capitalize on some of those sales I could have done earlier. How much equity do you still own today? 20%. Okay. So who owns the other 20%? Um, my sister, my parents, so family, friends, and then a, um, an angel investor that has been with me since the beginning, um, who's amazing. So do you get along with your sister and parents? Yes. Yeah. My sister works friendly. Yeah, yeah. My sister works in the business with me and my um, my parents. Like, we're really close. There's only, there's only four, me and my sister in the family. So, Many of you guys listening have built incredible SaaS tools to help other founders, specific industries, really get value or make some system easier. The problem is you can't help your clients until they import some portion of their data. And you've considered on your Trello board and your Sprint timelines, spending weeks building a CSV importer for certain data sets. You're smiling right now because you know I'm right. And either you do it and you waste engineering time or you don't do it and your customers have a horrible time getting onboarded. And listen, let's face the facts. Your ability to give value to your customers sometimes is very dependent on their ability to get you their data. Once you have the data, everything is really smooth. Well, this exact problem probably explains why FlatFile is growing so quick. They've raised over $44 million and they do exactly this. The data onboarding platform for your marketing teams, your engineering teams, they enable you to get usable data faster so you can focus on what matters most to your business. And the fastest growing companies like my friend ClickUp, Zeb, multi-billion dollar valuation, they all use FlatFile. Now, FlatFile reached out, they wanted to sponsor. I said, you got a good deal for us? And they do. For anyone listening, any anyone that's part of the top entrepreneurs community or get latka you can get a deal now to get started today at nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file and they make it so easy by the way their onboarding is beautiful you don't have to commit to a bunch of stuff you can actually see a demo live instantly right now check it out nathanlatka.com forward slash flat file okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be brutally honest with you you guys have learned so much between 2012 and today, like a crazy amount. This thing is like not growing. So like, when do you get the courage to just shut it down, move on, take all these learnings and launch in your next thing, which is going to grow much faster. And you're going to own more equity because you've learned so much. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really good point. And I mean, for the last six months, um, that's what we've been looking at. So um, at the moment, we're looking at it like a strategic exit because we, we have see. like 30, we have 30 grand obviously in recurring revenue. So it's not nothing. And we have, I sort of feel like I have um, an obligation to the subscribers to make sure that they're looked after because we're in personal safety. It's not just a widget you can kind of switch yep. off. 
So we're talking about people's lives here. So um, isn't your asset though the phys- I mean, getting a physical piece of hardware in penetration in the Australian market twenty five hundred to me that's a major accomplishment. Can you push software updates to the piece of hardware? Like, can those be updated? Yeah, so we can we can do firmware updates to change the features. Um, a lot of what we've done with the with the software though is a lot of the features are on the software platform, which makes it really easy for us to to update. Um, and the software platform is device agnostic, and we own that. So it monitors not only watches but phones and other devices. So that's that's I guess the um, the unique piece about us is that our software is device agnostic, whereas most of the software out there for these type of wearables is is linked just to that one wearable. Um, so that le- it allows it to transfer a little better to another business. So that's what we're looking for at the moment. We're just looking for st- strategic acquirers um, so that we can move our subscribers on to maybe a bigger business that just wants to increase their subscribers by a few grand, move into a different market. Potentially, they're trying to get into the Australian market. Um, We've got integrations with leading security companies, so they monitor the devices 24-7 and can dispatch the police or emergency services where required. So for another security company, this would be a good, like, strategic acquisition where they want to move into the Australian market and that's already done for them. Um, So that's kind of what we're looking at doing at the moment. Isn't the challenge price though? You've already raised 1.6 million bucks, build a company that's doing 360,000 bucks a year in revenue. It's going to be hard to find a company willing to pay a 5X multiple just to return money back to the investors. How do you get out from under that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the, the focus at the moment is releasing the 4G. Um, we already have probably about 300 um, pre-orders that we're looking at for the, the 3G. So we've got people waiting on the new device coming out and that will significantly increase our subscriber base. So we expect um, that by this time next year, we'll probably be doing um, just over around 54,000 MRR um, with the subscribers that will, will increase from the release of the new hardware. Um, so there's a really good runway for someone coming in. Um, we had an acquisition offer last year that was um, 2.8 total revenue. Our turnover last year was just over 700,000 with the hardware as well as the MRR in the SaaS. Um, so I think we can probably realize, you know, a two to three million dollar exit potentially. Um, oh, I forgot we- about that. You have a lot of margin on hardware sales. So twenty five hundred yeah. watches times two hundred bucks a pop is five hundred grand, and you're making what three hundred grand in hardware bar margin on yeah. hardware sales. Yeah. So we 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 turned over um, a little over seven hundred thousand last financial year. Um, I see. That's so, a little yeah. more real. That's a little hardware yeah. sales won't get the same multiple software, but that's a little more realistic to find someone that would offer you two, three, four, five million. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what we're looking at. We're not we're not looking to to make like ridiculous amounts of money. We're realistic about it. Um, I just think for us, um, it, it it's it's a really good solid business for someone that already has an existing company in this kind of space that's looking to increase their subscribers or potentially move into new markets. Plus, isn't churn like zero? Once you buy a watch, you're not going to start stop paying for the software, right? No, I mean, we probably have a life cycle of about 18 months on the hardware. So the watches, ah. some will grow about 18 months before they either turn it over, get a new one or, or change. But that's why we bought the mobile device out because when people grow out of the watch, they can then go onto the mobile device. So it gives us that continuity of customer, of customer um, contact and the SaaS. So. I see. Very cool. What's your team size today? How many people? So we just went through a restructure last year from seven. We're down to two at the moment while we restructure and scale and we're trying to build things back up again. So there's only two of us in the business at the moment, um, but we look to increase that over the next 12 months. Sounds like you're ready to be acquired. Let's hope so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's wrap up Karen with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. 
Oh, um, that's a tough one. Um, I've been reading some books at the moment about, um, I can't, like, there's a, I can't even think what I'm reading at the moment. Um, we can skip that one. Number two, yeah. is, there, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, I've actually been, um, I've been actually studying, uh, I mean, I know it's really obvious, like Richard Branson, looking at some of the things he's done with regards to growing his business, because he's obviously started some really from small, like interesting things and then growing things. So I've kind of been following him a bit lately. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for scaling your business? Found a path. Ah, <laughs> are you loving it? You're having fun? Oh, look, you know, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on a podcast with you. Honestly, if it was something else, I, I would be honest. And <laughs> but the tool is is really, really good, especially for a small startup. Um, it really kind of consolidates all the information in one. And I find it incredibly helpful to be able to pull metrics together that are really valuable for the business. So, yeah. And as your um, score increases, you're about to unlock some some cool new products. That's We've sort of gamified it. But no, we love having you on it. And I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I I still get about six to eight hours of sleep. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? Married, two kids, 15 and 10 boys. Wow. And Karen, can I ask how old are you? 49. 49. (laughs) Congrats. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Um, how to scale a business. Guys, there you have it. I Stay Safe launched in 2012. They raised 1.6 million bucks to build a watch that helps first responders or folks that are collecting loans that might be in danger to quickly call the police or first responders. Amazing technology. Over 2,500 devices in the world today. They sell the device for 200 bucks. They make about 120 bucks per device sold. And here's the catch. They then sell a $15 a month software component on the backside of that. Really smart combination of SaaS plus hardware to drive net retention rates through the roof. Doing about 700,000 bucks a year right now in combined hardware plus SaaS revenue as they look to scale or be acquired. We'll see. Karen, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you. Lovely talking to you, Nathan. Take care.